Snowman Podcast. Welcome back to the Snowman Podcast. I'm your host, as always, the Snowman. Happy Independence Day, folks. This is the day we celebrate our nation being born. It's also the day we celebrate our founding fathers committing high treason against the British crown. But is it considered treason if we won? Eh, either way. July 4th is one of my favorite days of the year. When I was a kid, my family used to go to a big 4th of July event. It was in a town not too far away from us, and it was the best. The place would be packed. People were playing games, eating food, socializing with friends, neighbors, and even strangers, enjoying the day and singing along with whatever band happened to be playing. Oh, it was great. And then the fireworks. Oh my gosh, were the fireworks always spectacular. I remember one year in particular, Christian superstar Carmen came to the event and performed some of his top hits. Now that was an awesome thing to see. I don't remember much of what he sang, but that didn't matter. It was still a lot of fun. And this was in the age before smartphones, so pictures and videos were not as prevalent as they are now. People were actually looking at the stage with their eyeballs as opposed to looking at it through the camera lens. So, it, it, just, a, just a good old classic time. I do want to make a quick note here. Carmen was a staunch American patriot who wrote many songs in support of our nation, some of which you might even hear during this episode. His legacy will never be forgotten. Rest easy, sir. In today's episode, I'll be sharing the basic points of why we celebrate July 4th the way we do. It's a fabulous story, but it would take a great number of hours slash episodes to do it proper justice. So I'll share how the Founding Fathers came to meet, discuss, draft, and finally sign the Declaration of Independence. And in closing, I've got a special treat for y'all. I'm going to read the Declaration but in a multitude of voices. Characters from all sorts of movies, TV shows, and radio shows will now read to you one of our country's most important documents. Also included will be the names of the men who signed it. After listening to their names, I highly encourage you to look these men up and learn about why they were willing to risk everything they had to lay the foundation of what would become the United States of America. Resources used throughout today's episode will include www.history.com forward slash holidays forward slash July 4th, www.history.com forward slash topics forward slash American Revolution forward slash Declaration of Independence. Oh boy, sometimes these links are a mouthful. The musical 1776, the HBO miniseries John Adams, and wikipedia.com forward slash Independence Day. There will be other links, but I will share them later on through the episode. Independence. What a word. What does that word even mean? The Webster's Dictionary describes it as this. 
freedom from outside controller support, the state of being independent, the time when a country or region gains political freedom from outside control. That's what 57 men debated for over a year leading up to July of 1776. Ordinary businessmen, lawyers, preachers, and farmers who had been dealing with a king's unjust taxes for several years by the time they began to meet. I don't know if when they were meeting, if they knew they would forever alter the course of history. I think deep down they knew it would be revolutionary. <laughs> but perhaps not to the extreme it actually became. Before the signing of the Declaration, the United States were colonies of Great Britain. They had gained control over the entire eastern American seaboard save the Florida Peninsula, which still belonged to Spain. There were 13 colonies in all. A simple fact that I pray most Americans know. <clears throat> the biggest so-called troublemakers were from the colony of Massachusetts. They had been extremely vocal in their opposition to the king. Samuel Adams was the leader of the Sons of Liberty, and he, along with John Hancock and Elbridge Gerry, were the loudest in their opposition. Then came a spark that nearly lit the powder keg. On March 5, 1770, British regulars fired into a crowd of Bostonians, killing five. This incident became infamously known as the Boston Massacre. The troops responsible were arrested and stood trial for murder. Acting as their lawyer was John Adams, Samuel Adams' cousin and future president of the United States. Through his careful research and wise speech, he was able to determine that the regulars had been provoked into firing at the crowd. Listen to this brief clip from the HBO miniseries John Adams that explains that. Be forewarned, there is a little salty language used here but I include it for historical significance. As, as, as you say, this, this, this crowd, they were making a great hullabaloo, huh? Yes. They were shouting. Yes. Uh, what, what were they shouting to the soldiers? Just before the soldiers started shooting, I heard the people say... What did you hear them say? Did you take this to be the cry of fire or bidding these soldiers to fire? No, they meant for the soldiers to shoot, sir. You say that this crowd actually dared the soldiers to fire. But they did. God help me, they did. With this evidence, John Adams was able to get these British regulars acquitted of the murder charges. Eyewitness accounts when they actually meant something. Leading up to, through, and beyond the Boston Massacre, the troubles did not stop. You see, England was just off winning the Seven Years' War against France, and they were broke. Like the crown had no money in the royal treasury, not one pound, farthing, or ducat. Except those needed for the crown's wardrobe and feasting, but uh, what's that? 
So King George decided to do the one thing he thought that could work. Raise taxes! And he thought the American colonies, where a majority of the fighting had taken place, would be the perfect place to raise taxes. However, <laughs> those in the colonies objected to his decision. Loudly. A handful of taxes that were raised included the stamp tax, the sugar tax, the Townsend tax, and perhaps the most infamous of all, the tea tax. You all know the story of how in 1773 the Sons of Liberty dumped tea into Boston Harbor as opposed to letting it come ashore and tax the people of Boston beyond reason. If not, well, I'll work on another podcast to tell you more details. But I don't want to get lost from the main premise of this episode, being the founding of America. After the Boston Tea Party, the start of the revolution began with the Battle of Lexington and Concord in April of 1775. But yet, it was still mainly Massachusetts fighting the war. Some of the other colonies in the Northeast were beginning to come round, but the Mid-Atlantic and South were not yet fully on board. They were, however, agreeable to talk. So that led to the formation of the First Continental Congress, which pretty much achieved nothing. So, a short time later, they decided to meet again, and they were real original with this name. They formed and called themselves the Second Continental Congress. Convening in Philadelphia at the Pennsylvania State House the following year, some of the most famous delegates even back then included Dr. Benjamin Franklin of Pennsylvania, Colonel George Washington of Virginia, Caesar Rodney of Delaware, and Samuel Adams and John Hancock of Massachusetts. These men were some of the staunchest patriots alive, but they knew their power lay on the floor of debate as opposed to the field of battle. Except Washington. He was nominated to command the newly formed Continental Army by Delegate John Adams, and his nomination was passed unanimously. He quickly left for the field and did not return to Congress for the remainder of the war. The rest, however, were stuck with each other, hearing each other's thoughts and arguments over what to do, try to resolve their differences with the king, or declare themselves an independent nation. There should be no surprise that these men were troubled, like when you see something happening that you don't like, but you don't have a clue as how to stop it. They had seen their taxes go up and up with no explanation at all. They couldn't argue their rights because they had no representation at Parliament in London. That's how we have the infamous motto, no taxation without representation. The Congress would not have been so swift to decide independence if they had had the representation, but the King refused to grant them this. The only reason several of the tax acts were repealed was because some in Parliament were sympathetic to the American colonies. Parliamentarians like Edmund Burke were very supportive of the colonies having representation. What may surprise you is that Congress did not want war. So they sent to King George III a petition of peace, known as the Olive Branch Petition. This petition was authored by John Dickinson of Pennsylvania, a member of Congress who did not want independence under any circumstances. They tried to be subtle in their demands, even trying not to blame the king himself outright. Approved by Congress on July 5, 1775, it was sent on the next ship heading for England and arrived there roughly six to eight weeks later. 
when the king received it, he was none too pleased. In private, he probably threw a fit. How dare these colonies accuse him of such things? But in public, he remained his regal cocky self. And his reply was more or less straight to the point. Listen to this clip, again from the HBO series John Adams, where President John Hancock reads aloud the king's response to their olive branch petition. The proclamation by King George III. Many of our subjects, misled by a desperate conspiracy of dangerous and ill-designing men, have forgotten the allegiance which they owe to the power that has protected and supported them and have declared rebellion and traitorously levied war against us. It is the better part of wisdom to put a speedy end to such disorders. We have thought fit to issue our royal proclamation that all our royal officers, both civil and military, are obliged to suppress such rebellion and bring the traitors to justice. When the unhappy and deluded multitude against whom this force shall be directed shall become sensible of their error, I shall be ready to receive the misled with tenderness and mercy. For those who persist in their treason, for those who persist in their treason, the punishment shall be death by hanging. Given in Parliament this 26th day of October in the year 1775. God save the King. Quick note, this was an edited version of King George's letter made for dramatic effect. To read the entire response, visit www.encyclopediavirginia.org forward slash entries forward slash by the King, a proclamation for suppressing rebellion and sedition, 1775. To read the Olive Branch petition, visit www.revolutionarywarandbeyond.com forward slash Olive Branch petition text. Well, after this, the delegates knew there was no turning back from the course of declaring independence. Richard Henry Lee of Virginia quickly departed for his legislature in Williamsburg to urge them to support independence. New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New Jersey were already on board, but the other colonies needed more convincing. On June 7, 1776, Lee returned to Congress and with a loud booming voice read the following. Resolved that these colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is, and ought to be, totally dissolved, that it is expedient forthwith to take the most effective measures for forming foreign alliances, that a plan of confederation be prepared and transmitted to the respective colonies for their consideration and approbation. Well, with this now stated, and Virginia on board, it was up to the delegates from the other colonies to decide whether or not to support Virginia's resolution. To help the matter along, Congress decided on two things. To take a recess so delegates could get their legislatures to agree to the proposal and reconvene on the date of July 1st, 
and to appoint a committee to draft a document declaring their intentions. On this committee were Dr. Benjamin Franklin, Roger Sherman of Connecticut, John Adams, Robert Livingston of New York, and Thomas Jefferson of Virginia. Within the committee, they voted for Jefferson to write the document, and then they would read it over and add their opinions before presenting it to Congress. Over the course of two and a half weeks, Jefferson thought and pondered what their intentions truly were. He cited the evils of slavery and that it should be abolished, all the infractions of the king and parliament, and declaring that they were endowed by God to be free men. When Congress reconvened, the Declaration of Independence was read aloud to them. Overall, all of Congress agreed on what was said. However, the southern colonies were not on board with one clause. Yeah, I'm sure you've already guessed which one. The slavery clause. Life was very different back then. In the North, you had very few slaves. More blacks were free than in bondage. The mid-Atlantic area had more, but the South fully depended on slave-run plantations. Many in Congress, including gentlemen from the South, knew slavery was evil. But for the majority of those Southern delegates, they saw it as an attack on their property. They vowed to never vote for independence unless it was removed from the Declaration. I could go on a long tangent about why they decided this, and some might even try to make a case stating how bad some of our founding fathers were. But I'm not going to. What I am going to say is this. Jefferson, Adams, Franklin, and others wanted to abolish slavery from the beginning, but they knew that independence was more important than emancipation at that time. To get the South to agree, they had to remove the clause concerning slavery. Adams worried that future Americans would judge them for this. Franklin agreed, but told him that they would be long gone by that time and couldn't worry about it any longer. Adams and Jefferson reluctantly agreed and the clause was dropped. Something very interesting to know about several delegates from the South, many lost everything they owned. Some even died. Five at least were imprisoned. They were released in a prisoner exchange the following year, but isn't it interesting that some of those who demanded the removal of the slavery clause were put into chains themselves? Maybe that was God's way of showing them what their own slaves felt like at times. It might have awakened them to the fact that slavery was indeed evil. I'm, I'm just speculating here, but it is rather thought-provoking, isn't it? Back to the quest for independence. One of the best dramatizations I've ever seen about the signing of the Declaration of Independence was the musical 1776 in its movie form. It is phenomenal, but one of the best scenes they did was a conversation between Jefferson, Franklin, and Adams about what the National Bird of America was going to be. It is one of the funniest scenes in the movie, and I always love singing along with that song, and it's called Egg. That's the whole title of the song. But I want to share with you this clip from how they decide what the National Bird of America was going to be. Enjoy this clip. You know, it's quite bizarre to think that here we are Playing midwives to an egg Egg? What egg? America, the birth of a new nation Only we can be sure of what kind of a bird it's going to be Tom is the point 
What sort of bird shall we choose as the symbol of our new America? The eagle. The dove. The turkey. The eagle. The dove. The eagle. The eagle. The turkey. The eagle is a majestic bird. The eagle is a scavenger, a thief, and a coward. A symbol of over ten centuries of European mischief. A turkey. The turkey is a truly noble bird. Native American, source of sustenance of our original settlers. An incredibly brave fellow who will not flinch at attacking a regiment of Englishmen single-handedly. Therefore, the national bird of America is going to be... The eagle. The eagle. Seems to me old Benny lost that there debate. Kind of glad, too. Otherwise, Thanksgiving just wouldn't be the same. Anyway, on July 2nd, 1776, the vote was taken. My personal favorite dramatization is again from 1776, the musical. And I want to play for you the clip of their vote being taken. And I don't know how to describe it, but to me it gives that, like, patriotic shiver of just being proud to be an American and oh man do I wish that if I were to travel back in time that I could visit this moment it's probably way different than what any movie or tv show has ever done but still when they vote to declare independence wow check this clip out the Congress will now vote on Virginia's resolution on independence. The secretary will call the roll. Mr. Thompson. New Hampshire. Hampshire says yea. New Hampshire says yea. Massachusetts. Massachusetts says yea. Massachusetts says yea. Rhode Island. Rhode Island says yea. Rhode Island says yea. Connecticut. Connecticut says yea. Connecticut says yea. New York. The secretary of New York abstained with courteously. New York abstains. New Jersey. New Jersey says yay. New Jersey says yay. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania says yay. Delaware. Delaware says yay. Delaware says yay. Maryland. Maryland says yay. Maryland says yay. Virginia. Virginia says yay. Virginia says yay. North Carolina. North Carolina yields to South Carolina. South Carolina, Mr. President, the fair colony of South Carolina says yay. South Carolina says yay. North Carolina says yay. North Carolina says yay. Georgia. Georgia says yay. And Georgia says yay. The count being 12 to none, with one abstention, the resolution on independence is adopted. Wow. Didn't I tell you it was moving? The resolution was officially adopted on July 4th, and thus that is why we celebrate our independence on that day as opposed to July 2nd. Did you catch how the vote was 12 to 0 with one abstention? That's because the delegates from New York never received proper instructions from their legislature. The reason for this was because back in New York, they all talked very loud and all at once, thus resulting in nothing ever being decided upon, leaving the New York delegates in a bit of a pickle. So they always abstained. Courteously. Yeah, uh, yes, courteously. Thank you. Uh, this usually frustrated the marbles out of the other delegates. 
But after hearing the reason, they sympathized with them. The New York delegates did end up fully supporting the Declaration and signed it along with the rest. With the Declaration being officially adopted, our nation was born. But it would be a long, hard road before we saw any good come out of it. The members of Congress who signed the Declaration had all committed high treason against the King of England. And if any of them were caught and brought to trial, they would be hanged. Many departed Philadelphia for their homes as they would be on the front lines when the British Army came through. General Washington was barely hanging on with his ragtag army. He was pretty much losing at every turn. It was only due to thwarting efforts by local militia or guerrillas like Francis Marion, the Swamp Fox, Isaac Shelby, and George Rogers Clark that slowed the British down. But as time went on, American forces slowly grew. They learned and fought, and eventually, we won, naturally. We defeated the greatest military in the world at that time, and we did it through grit and determination, and with the help from the French, who sent us reinforcements and supplies that were desperately needed. It would be five long years after the signing of the Declaration that we officially won the war. On October 19th, Lord Cornwallis surrendered after the battle and siege of Yorktown ended in our favor. We were officially free. As for celebrating Independence Day, well, that began the following year when we celebrated our nation's first birthday. The following is from History.com, and I quote, The tradition of setting off fireworks on the 4th of July began in Philadelphia on, naturally, July 4th, 1777 during the first organized celebration of Independence Day. Ship's cannon fired a 13-gun salute in honor of the 13 colonies. The Pennsylvania Evening Post reported, at night there was a grand exhibition of fireworks, which began and concluded with 13 rockets on the commons, and the city was beautifully illuminated. That same night, the Sons of Liberty set off fireworks over Boston Common. The tradition of patriotic celebration became even more widespread after the War of 1812, in which the United States again faced, and whooped, Great Britain. In 1870, the U.S. Congress made July 4th a federal holiday. End quote. Throughout the years, Americans always make a big deal out of July 4th. Cities and towns across the country decorate in red, white, and blue colors. Barbecues and cookouts are planned. Church bells ring. Patriotic music of all kinds is played and sung along with. Songs like the Star Spangled Banner, God Bless America, My Country Tis of Thee, The National Emblem, America the Beautiful, and Your Grand Old Flag are just to name a few. Concerts from famous musicians are packed as Americans of all backgrounds gather together to celebrate being a free nation. And best of all, you can always count on a grand fireworks display. That's probably my favorite part of the 4th, seeing all the fireworks exploding above us, the whistle as they go up, the wonderful scent of the smoke they provide fills the air. Ah, there's nothing quite like it. Before I conclude, 
I want to make a couple of quick points. In the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of troublesome things happen in our nation. One of the most troubling was the release of the New York Times op-ed on the 1619 Project, in which the author falsely states that our nation began in 1619 as opposed to 1776. This is totally and unequivocally false. The author's reason for this is because that is when slaves from Africa first arrived on American shores. She is a fool and should never be listened to. Barely any settlers were even there at that time. The pilgrims hadn't even arrived. Does that help you in realizing how far back she's trying to misinform you? She is just trying to throw shade on America to make us feel guilty about people owning slaves when we were declaring our freedom from England. But if she studied any type of history, and I believe she has, she has just ignored and disregarded it, she would realize that the subject at hand was independence, nothing more. Emancipation would have to come later. But it would indeed come, and it did, after a long and bloody civil war. Like her, many left-leaning liberal Democrats have become so hateful towards our founding that they refuse to celebrate July 4th. Others have believed lies that have been passed on by left-leaning activists. It's truly sad. If they would simply read our country's history, they would see so much more beyond the lens of hate. At least I hope they would. Just a few weeks ago, the federal government announced that they were declaring June 19th a federal holiday, commemorating the day that Union soldiers arrived in Galveston, Texas, where the last slaves were freed. Folks, I want to be very clear here. This is an attempt by the radical left to replace the 4th of July. I'm not kidding. They also want to replace our flag with a more present-day theme of including everybody and everything. But we already have that. The American flag represents everyone who is born an American or becomes a naturalized citizen. The 4th of July celebrates the beginning of our country. And just like when you yourself grow up, you make mistakes, you fall down, you do things that you regret. But every time, you didn't let that keep you down. You got back up, you brushed yourself off, and you resolved to do better in the future. That's how our nation is. We have made mistakes as a nation. I'm not denying that. And some of those mistakes have cost us dearly. But we have learned from those mistakes. We have picked ourselves up and continued on. Don't listen to the naysayers about the United States. Just that and in and of itself is remarkable. We started out as 13 states and we have grown to 50. We were a nation of just 2.5 million when we declared our independence. We are now a nation of over 331 million. People from all walks of life have come to America's shores, leaving their own countries to become Americans. Why? Because they believed in the freedom that America's founders declared. They knew that if they came here and they worked hard enough, they could see some evidence and fruit of their labor. It would take time, but in the end, it would be worth it. No other nation on earth started out with liberty and justice and freedom for all. The next time you hear someone railing against our country or saying we aren't unified, point them to an American history book. Show them the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Emancipation Proclamation, the Gettysburg Address, Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech, 
Red Skellum's analogy of the Pledge of Allegiance, and other incredible American documents and books. <sighs> Folks, we started out as a God-fearing nation, and He has blessed us through our history. If we remain true to God's Word like our founders did, God will continue to bless us. Let us remain rooted in our Judeo-Christian-founded principles. Let us fight against the Prince of Darkness, who is bound and determined to see us destroyed. He seems to be winning a lot lately. Let's cross the line in the sand and fight like hell to take our country back from his grasp. Let freedom ring, and God bless the United States of America.
And now, as promised, the reading of the Declaration of Independence in multiple voices. In Congress, July 4th, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. Uncle Billy from It's a Wonderful Life. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. Bullwinkle. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Garfield. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form, as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Tom Riley from Adventures and Odyssey Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer, while evils are sufferable, than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. The Sheriff of Nottingham but when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. <laughs> Gollum such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government, precious. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, or having, in direct object, the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, will facts be submitted to a canon world? The Grinch. He has refused his assent to laws the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. Mr. Krabs. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people, unless those people were religious the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. Festus. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records, for the sole purpose of taking him into compliance with his measures. Harry Carey from SNL. 
He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. The Grim Reaper from Horrible Histories He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise. The state remaining in the meantime exposed to all dangers of invasions from without and convulsions within. Bernard Walton from Adventures in Odyssey. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states, for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. Crian Brian Dern from Adventures in Odyssey. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. Crunk. He has kept among us in times of peace, standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation. Dr. Doofenshmirtz. For quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states. Ah, good grief. Gandalf. For cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses. Stumpy from Rio Bravo. For abolishing the free system of English laws in the neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government, and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies. Harlow Doyle from Adventures in Odyssey. For taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments, for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. Gruffy Gummy. I have abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coast, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. Wooten Bassett from Adventures in Odyssey. He has at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. SpongeBob SquarePants. He has constrained our fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. Sam Elliott 
He has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. Doc Adams In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petition have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Major Monogram Nor have we been wanting in attention to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. Gimli We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity. We have conjured them by the ties of a common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. Oddball They too have been deaf to the voice of justice and of consanguinity. We must therefore acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation, and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind. Enemies in war, in peace, friends. Ronald Reagan We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America and General Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the World for the rectitude of our intentions, do, in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are, and of right ought to be, free and independent states. Southern Accent That they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that, as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may have right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Signed, John Hancock, President of the Continental Congress. From the state of Georgia, Button Gwinnett, Dr. Lyman Hall, George Walton. From the state of North Carolina, William Hooper, Joseph Hughes, John Penn. From the state of South Carolina, Edward Rutledge, Thomas Hayward Jr., Thomas Lynch Jr., Arthur Middleton. From the state of Maryland, Samuel Chase, William Packer, Thomas Stone, Charles Carroll of Carrollton. From the state of Virginia, George Wythe, Richard Henry Lee, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Harrison, Thomas Nelson Jr., Francis Lightfoot Lee, Carter Braxton. From the state of Pennsylvania, Robert Morris, Benjamin Rush, Dr. Benjamin Franklin, John Morton, George Clymer, James Smith, George Taylor, James Wilson, George Ross. From the state of Delaware, Caesar Rodney, George Reed, Thomas McKeon. From the state of New York, William Floyd, Philip Livingston, Francis Lewis, Lewis Morris. From the state of New Jersey, Richard Stockton, the Reverend John Witherspoon, Francis Hopkinson, John Hart, Abraham Clark. 
from the state of New Hampshire, Dr. Josiah Bartlett, William Whipple, Matthew Thornton, from the state of Massachusetts, Samuel Adams, John Adams, Robert Treat Payne, Elbridge Gary, from the state of Rhode Island, Stephen Hopkins, William Ellery, from the state of Connecticut, Roger Sherman, Samuel Huntington, William Williams, and Oliver Wolcott. Thus concludes the reading of the Declaration of Independence. And with that, that will do it for this episode of the Snowman Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. I hope you enjoyed and learned something new. Please remember to share with your family and friends. As always, you can find me on Spotify and iTunes. Just type in the Snowman Podcast and look for an American flag with a snowman in the foreground. Till next time, this is Snowman, and I'll see you now here. Why are there never any knock-knock jokes about America? Because freedom always rings. Ah, come on. You gotta give me that one. All right. Shoot yourself.